podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It's the Monday Bulletin and I'm joined by Amy Canavan and Russell Boyce. How are you? Good weekend. Yes, mate. Yeah. I know you did. I know you did, Russell. Russell had a great one, didn't he? He certainly did. Bouncing about with the superstars of the musical world on the Friday and then a bit of the old Celtic celebrity on the Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yes. We'll talk all about that. We'll talk all about that. We need to have a look at uh, where we are because we're we're currently still in an international break. There's another game uh, in the midst. Amy Canavan, as a media uh, journalism student, um, you are someone who covers the international game for the state of Scottish football. Now, I've been asking the contributors when it comes to international football. I've got to say, I'm just I've always got one eye on Celtic. I'm hoping our players don't get injured. I just want us to get back to the football. But we do have another game coming up. So the first question I'm going to ask about that is: obviously, there were some uh, call-offs, as there always is with the international game. One of whom was Nathan Patterson, and I just thought, well, there is a natural replacement there, and. A right back who's been on very, very good form this season, and Tony Ralston. Get him into the squad. Surely the time is now. Were you surprised, Amy, that uh, Tony Ralston wasn't called up by Stevie Clark? I wasn't, to be honest with you. Um, it's a massive game tomorrow, and I just didn't really see him calling up somebody that's never really worked with before. Um, I think if he wanted Ralston, he'd have called him up from the off. So I understand now, while I'm not really. I'm not jumping in with joy that it is Paul McGinn who's obviously been called up, but it's somebody that Clark's worked with before. There's no doubt Stephen O'Donnell will start tomorrow night. That's just a shoo-in. Um, and McGinn is just purely there as backup. So I think the fact that it's just a one one game tomorrow is one massive game and he's only going to have one day really he needs somebody coming in who he is comfortable with and that is McGinn um, you know there's could have been Tony Ralston could have been Calvin Ramsey somebody even saying Sean Rooney from St Johnston so mm-hmm. all these names are, are getting touted around and I think over time Ralston if he keeps his form up there's there's no denying that he should be in that in that Scotland set up and Calvin Ramsey is definitely going to be a stalwart for the future um, he's been really impressive since breaking into the Aberdeen side Sean Rooney as well. It's a it's a tough one because I, I think St Johnstons are going to struggle now. I really do. Mm. Um, but you know he's a he loves a goal at Hamden, so maybe uh, get him in in a, in a few few games time. But on the basis of the fact that it's a one game one game shoot off fundamentally, and it's he's got one day really to to work with him. I'm not really surprised that it's Paul McGinn. Now you mentioned St Johnston there. Um, and I'm going to have to ask a question. Were you surprised that Celtic weren't interested in Ali McCann? We've, we've had discussions on the podcast, Amy, around our midfield situation, and we will be talking about that as the show progresses. But there there you have a player there, and yes, I understand he wanted to go down to England, but when you're talking about a fee of one and a quarter million quid, you know, um, obviously Celtic could have got their cell in the driving seat in terms of the, the deal there. Were you surprised that we didn't show any interest in that player? I am a bit. Um, I'd have been more than happy for for Celtic to try and go for for Alan McCann. I think he's a really talented player, and you know we speak about so much that 
why aren't Celtic looking like in their own backyard in the Scottish Premiership? I wouldn't have even been too disappointed even looking likes um, of Jason Kerr as well. I think there was a few other Scottish Premiership sides definitely looking for him back again. He favoured the move down south. But Alan McCann's made it perfectly clear that that is where he wanted to go, hence why it was left so last minute. Um, but it's another one who sort of slipped through the fingers and from a Scottish perspective, sorry, has as well because he represents Northern Ireland. So it's all these little bits and bobs that it's just disappointing um, but I'm sure he's going to go on to have a, a fantastic career um, Preston North End and I can see him just getting higher and higher as he, as he gets older he's only 21 which is which is quite outstanding I just always get this fear now after the John McGinn saga that every time a young Scottish player goes down south for a I'm not going to say a nominal fee but I mean one and a quarter million quid. Um, it might come back to haunt you when you, you could have quite um, early got in there and, and got the deal done. What's your thoughts, Russell Boyce, on Tony Ralston? Um, and by the way, before I come to you, can I just say, Amy had been bigging up Tony Ralston and we've got to dig out that footage from as far back as I when was it? Tweets. Did I you? tweets this morning. I did, yep. yeah. I'm convinced Go it's on. on our pod as well. I'm convinced it's on a pod. You did I mention it. I tweets this morning. When was that? Was it quite early in the year? Oh, I, give me a minute, I'll go and find it. I think it's <laughs> February. I think it's, I think it's February time. I've done a post when we signed um, John Joe Kenny, and it's in the comments to that that I found the tweets that I've said, like, why well, don't give Ralston a, a crack of the whip? Well, there you go. You, you cannot it. deny. You cannot deny. And you did say it on the podcast. And I. I'm pretty sure you'd have been ridiculed for saying it as well, oh, but, you know, it's come home to roost. What's your thoughts, Boise? I mean, you know, I've been a big critic of some of our international managers for going with the tried and tested. I mean, I understand that Amy's explained it there. He's going to go with someone that he knows. I, I don't always think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously as well, when, uh, was it Paul McGinn? Is that his first name? Paul McGinn that's been called up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think he's 30, 31 years old. He's never going to, you know, cement a regular starting role for Scotland. He's not, it's not a great experience. Obviously, it's a good experience for him, but it's not one that's maybe necessarily needed as a young player, even if they're not going to play. Just being involved in the international setup can help. Mm -hmm. I think Ralston's on the crest of a wave right now. That would have been like the icing on the cake. And you can't help but feel it is a wee bit of a, it's a dull one. It's a strange one. And let's be honest, I think Ralston's a better player as well to be. You know, to be frank about it, so I don't, I don't really get the thinking behind that. And I, if it is, you know, because he's worked with them in the past and all that, then I find that a wee bit lazy, shall we say, at times as well. I just don't really, I don't see many benefits to it. Nothing against Paul McGinn, of course, but to me, Ralston was the guy on form right now, doing it at a high level as well. We've seen a mixed bag from you know even his European performances as well as domestically. He was arguably our best player against Rangers as well, so. Why not, you know, reward that when there is a free space, a space freed up? Okay, you didn't put him in the initial squad. I think that's Steve Clark's prerogative. When the space opens up and you're giving it to a 30, 31-year-old, you know, instead of Tony Ralston at 22, who's buzzing as it is, I just think that was a missed opportunity, really. I think so as well, and we'll see how that develops if he indeed remains uh, on this form and remains in the Celtic team. We will be talking about that wee dilemma, uh, which is a good dilemma for Ange Postacoglu to face. Um, coming up to the game against Ross County, there are loads of comments coming in. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, uh, at Twitter as well. Twitter as well. And um, we've got a first comment coming in a.k.a. Alan Boyne, Carter, Vickers and Yota should start against Ross County. Um, and we will be talking about that. Johnny Ryan comes in. He agrees uh, with um, Carter Vickers, but also thinks Giacomakis and Scales should start. The boy Scales is getting um, loads of support in the comments section. And, you know, I'd love to see that one working out for him as well. But when we're talking about Ralston, we've got to talk about Juranovic. He comes in for his first game against Rangers, out of position, Amy, away from home, in a cauldron, um, because obviously there's no Celtic fans at that game. He performs very, very well. But Tony Ralston is the number two. Um, it's all about squad management, though. No. And I'm looking at who will start, who will be introduced 
to the Celtic side in an environment where you're playing at home. We know that we've won both our home games domestically, 6 nothing. and we were up against Ross County. I'm not going to say it's a safe bet uh, and a guaranteed win, but it's a type of game that if you're going to introduce a new player into the team, it's a good opportunity to do it. Is Juranovic that man? Is he going to start that game, do you think? I can see Juranovic starting, but like we say, out of position um, because Tony Ralston's on drop undroppable right now and I think that's going to be the case for, for probably a lot of the team I don't see that Ange even after this international break and after you know making those deadline day signings I don't expect there to be too many rotations um, and that's what what I'd call it, you know, not about dropping or anything like that, but it would be rotations because that's that little bit of continuity needing. Um, Europa League's just around the corner. It comes thick and fast now. Um, That's only on the 16th, so that's next Thursday. So I think as much as we can say it's Ross County and what previous results have been, I think an eye will be on Thursday night as well, so continuity will have to be there. And I think that's where a lot of the the, um, the team selections all came, all came from. We're talking about Ralston, obviously, not being selected for Scotland. He's had a little rest, um, so you know there's no way that he's going to be wanting rotated. He's not going to be needing... Uh, any more time off he'll be raring to go right back into that that Celtic side so I don't expect too many changes Um, so I expect Juranovic to um, be on the left again as he was against Rangers Um, because I think he'd done okay I know a lot of people were saying that it was you know quite phenomenal and whatnot but I think we need to be a little bit reserved I think he slowed the play up a little bit but not through any real fault of his own I think it was just you know, he was on the wrong side, it was the wrong foot. So sometimes now the attacking play was just a little bit slower and not quite so slick as we would like. But I would I would have him out there because I think right now he's the best option. Don't really know what's the script with Greg Taylor as well. Um, but he certainly looks a player and getting him game time is only going to be a good thing. Mm, no, you're right. It's interesting uh, what you said there because Donny Boy echoes those sentiments. I'd be happy seeing them come off the bench so as not to spoil the rhythm of the team, Amy, uh, saying that might be an ideal game to start a few. I think it is a, a good opportunity to get a few of them in. The question is um, who? I mean, you don't want to just uh, throw them all in. CFC 67 would start Scales as well. It's interesting to see how many people are on the um, Liam Scales bus. Boy, say you driving it. Oh, yes, very much so. Liam Scales has a bus at the depot ready to go. I watched, again, I mean, everyone says, you, know, you can watch a YouTube montage or you can put one together even and make any player look like a worldie, but I like the, the cut of his jib. I think he's going to be no-nonsense, tough tackling. I think he'll, he'll bring a bit of ability as well. And I actually like the fact his track record's maybe not to be as dissed as, you know, perhaps we can be guilty of because he's coming from a league of less repute. You know, this guy has been, you know, even from left back scoring goals in Europa League qualifiers, maybe even a Champions League qualifier, won the League of Ireland as well. You know, we hate when players leave the SPFL, such as Ali McCann at 1.2 million, because we know he's better than that. We've just Mm. spoke about him. Liam Scales may well be a case in point where the, the Irish football fans or the soccer fans over there may well be thinking, why have they let him go for so cheap? He's a far better player than that. They might be having the same debate. We've undervalued a player who'll cruise it in the SPFL. So for me, he gets a fair crack of the whip like everyone else. I think the fact he got number five as well suggests to me he's going to be very much in the mix. You don't just hand out such an iconic jersey when you think of Billy McNeil um, to a player. If you're not, if they're not in your first team thoughts, I don't, I don't think that'll be the case. Quickly on the, the right-back situation as well, I just think whilst there's been negatives about the window and I still would have liked to see Ange get back a wee bit more, but I think we won't be expected to feel like that at the end of every window, don't we? That's just your divine right as a football fan. There doesn't need to be a negativity crusade. You always want, want a bit we more. want more. We want more, yes. <laughs> you know, I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> no Gallagher, isn't it? <laughs> but, like, you've now got Anthony Ralston, we've just spoke about, should be getting called up for Scotland or perhaps being considered at the very least. Mm-hmm. And we're discussing how he's in the form of his life. And we've now got a Croatian international who was outstanding against Scotland at the Euros coming in to challenge for that place. We've just spoke about games coming thick and fast. Well, that looks to me like a perfect headache to be having right now with if it's whether it's rotation or whether you're just having a debate on who's the best, who's, who's in the best form. It looks like two very solid options to be having right now. And I think there's, you know, you've got to kind of look at that and go, 
that position by the development of Ralston and then the purchase of a Croatian international for two and a half million, where were all these guys the last few windows, I may ask, but that's another question, another, you know, minefield. But you bring that in and you look, watch what Ange can do with a player like Ralston and you go, now we've got two guys there in a position we thought we were really struggling for at the start of the season, let's be honest. Yeah. No, you're right. And as I was said before, it's a, a really nice dilemma for the gaffer to have. Now, here's a wee point being raised by a couple of the viewers. Bruce FM, who's disliking before the broadcast even started? If you don't like Axon in general, don't tune in. But this is what you're up against, Bruce. And Donny Boy also comes in with the same point. You're up against trolls who don't necessarily dislike what it is we're actually doing. That was just a wee fly there. I was trying to catch that. Mr. Miyagi I style. I was part of your speech. <laughs> I was just getting very animated. Um, but they want to give you the thumbs down before you even kick a ball, before you even come on. That's just the way it seems to work. Um, so they can't be criticising the content because they don't even know what the content is going to consist of. So mm. what I would say to combat that, everybody who's tuning in, give it a big thumbs up on YouTube. And just drown out the noise, drown out the noise, because you know what? There's far more people get involved with Axom and enjoy what we're doing than the haters. And I've taken the I've taken a decision just to focus on the people that enjoy it and appreciate it, Amy. And I, I take more time dealing with all the people that come on social media saying great show, and I ignore all the rest. I used to get in there, I used to have a wee mad half hour maybe once a day where I would get into wee spats here and there. Sometimes it was you, Amy, that started it, but um, now I just focus on the positive, but that's what you've got to do online, isn't it? Because there's too much negativity. Yeah, that was me, that one. Um, I'm quite a big fan of seeing you go off on a wee rant. It's quite funny. Um, you can always see when he's in some sort of mood because it's just it's like a half hour spat, isn't it? And then it's like Paul's off on one. Um, no, it's the way to go forward. Of course it is. Um, there's a lot more positivity out there than not. Um, sometimes it's a little bit harder to find. Um, we've been flooded a lot recently by perhaps some comments that we wouldn't especially want to be receiving, but you know, it's it always the good always outweighs the bad, and um, we'll always highlight that and um, listen to that a lot more than anything else. I have this a theory is, on it, Paul. Right, I want you to hear know, theory, right? I've run I want to hear your theory. Let's go. I've run it past you before. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Too many people argue the person and not the point. Mm. Too many folk want to have pops at me being Owen Wilson, Reese Evans, you know, Russell Gummidge is one that always makes me laugh the most. <laughs> They're not actually listening to what the content is you're saying. If someone's able to thumbs down Axon before a ball's been kicked today, then they are arguing with the people, not the points that are getting raised. Then wants to talk about the football, I'm all for it. No, you're spot on. And, and it was interesting yesterday, don't ask me how this happened, but I did get go down a wee rabbit hole and I read online and it was it was actually typed as fact that I actually wear a wig. Now that was something that I think started off as a joke, but now it's true. Yeah. So 
Don't believe everything you read out there because I certainly don't wear a wee syrup. Um, feed the bear. I bought my axe home shut. Yep, I got the alert email this morning. That will be winging its way to you. And I hope we get pictures of you wearing the axe on top. Afternoon from Belfast, Paddy Lavery. Well done. Uh, afternoon to you, sir, and William Peden, who is watching in Dubai. Always love to tap in with all our fans all over the place. It's tremendous. Uh, before we move on to other matters, Amy, uh, on the subject of international football, we've spoken about Ralston. Uh, when I'm looking at the fact that there was no Celtic starters against Moldova, there were four ex-Celts, um, two Celtic players on the bench. I've got to ask, were you, when you're looking at that team, is the first thing you think of is that you're surprised at the emissions of McGregor and Turnbull? Or as a Celtic fan, do you tend to say, well, I'm kind of glad they're getting a rest and they're not going to get injured? Are, are we selfish in that way? Because I must say, I, I'm much more of the latter. Really, I'm not. No, I want um, the best players playing for my country. And I think Callum McGregor certainly um, should be in any starting lineup. I think he was one of our better players during the Euros. Um, that's not really that hard to, to go by, to be honest. It wasn't a very high bar. But McGregor was out uh, was played in the wrong position, obviously, against Denmark last week. I highlighted that. How many times have we seen him out on that left wing? That's not where he's at. He's most influential. But there became quite a lot of backlash last week, and it came in the comments as well when we were um, broadcasting that Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor can't play on the same side because they're too similar. Um, and that just makes the mind boggle for me. Um, you know, you're looking at influential players and you're wanting your best players on the park. Now, if we can shoehorn in our two best players in Tierney and Robertson, and we can shoehorn in anybody else. And McGregor and Gilmore are not the same. Um, McGregor's like much more comfortable being at that that back, as we all describe, quarterback number six. And Billy Gilmore obviously played that the other night. Um, there's been a lot of praise for him. I did think he played well, but I don't think it was as outstanding as maybe everyone else is sort of, you know, pushing along. If it was, you know, if he missed the chance that he, if um, if Ryan Christie missed the chance that Gilmore missed, sorry, then you know, Pellers would have been well rightly deserved. Christie did miss his own um, quite shockingly to be honest but I, I do find it strange that Callum McGregor can't make the, the Scotland side he obviously came on um, didn't have a lot of time to make any sort of impact and then when you look at David Turnbull he's been given 10 minutes at the end I think each match to try and come on and you know make an impact in the game that's just not going to happen you've got to give the guy time Kenny McLean comes on before him um, and I appreciate obviously Kenny McLean plays in the, the Premier League with Norwich he's not always a starter um, and I find that if you're comparing the two, I find that it's a, a strange one to, to be opting with McLean. But there's lots of theories out there. There's definitely, Clark does have his loyalties and that's fine. That's great. You need to have players that he's comfortable with, hence the Paul McGinn inclusion again today. But I think Kenny McLean getting in ahead of David Turnbull is just an, an odd move. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bias. I think that's just, you know, having a, a decent breath of, of football knowledge um, and having a real interest in Scotland that I think many would be picking David Turnbull ahead of Kenny McLean but I get what you're saying Cal Mack obviously I think he only ends up playing 15-20 minutes if that um, against Moldova at the weekend instead of having a full 90 minute run out so he's had his rest now as long as he's back in for the big game tomorrow then that's all that matters Yeah I mean what's your take Russell, I mean, I'm, I'm probably very selfish and I've seen somebody coming in uh, in the comments saying club over country every time. Is that your, your take on it? Are you more inclined to agree with Amy? Um, I would like to think I was, you know, I'd still held the Scottish team and like that, you know, as a, just as important as Celtic, but the honest truth is I haven't watched either of the last two matches, so I suppose on that basis alone, and I think about it, obviously the, the level of importance to me, maybe it well, it's obviously not that important to me at all, let's be honest. I've not watched the last two matches, so... Um, ah, it's unfortunate. I don't really like saying that, though. I'd like to be a wee bit patriotic and all that, but I don't know. I just find international weekends. I hate it when it's international weekend. I'm always much prefer if it's a full calendar and you've got, you know, whatever your preferred broadcaster is, well, the, the video printer or the scores coming down and all that. That's that's the weekend of football for me, you know what I mean? Because I work Saturdays, by the way. That's why I'm not at Celtic Park, Paul, as you know. But mm-hmm. uh, that to me is that's a that's what Saturday football is all about. And I just think when it's international weekend, it's a bit of a damp squib for the old football. Well, you know, it's um, 
it's an argument that we could uh, rage on about, I, I guess, uh, Boise. But if uh, I think if we had a, a manager with uh, a wee bit more kind of like of a modern. Uh, outlook on the game uh, and bleeding young talented players in and exciting players into the team it might help slightly but uh, Patrick Dolan makes a good point here and I, I do agree with this the most you can blood in at any one time is two new players be careful what you wish for we've seen that in the past when you know managers uh, are criticised for not using youth players or, or younger players I mean, we've seen them saying well you know I, I remember the infamous game at Celtic Park when Neil Lennon had been getting stick about not playing younger players um, we played Morton in the cup he throws in just like a collection of players who had never played together and we got beat and that, that's exactly what happens I just think it's a, a process you know you've just got to put in one or two at a time and bleed them in to the team that way and I think that's where my concern is because so many players have come into the squad and has his philosophy and his outlook on the game and you know it's going to take time I guess for them all to be on the same page um, and it would concern me if we've seen that lineup and it was a lineup that is almost unrecognisable from the rhythm and, and the the uh, performances that we have seen up until now. So I think Patrick Dolan makes a really good point there. Um, but one player who will be coming back into the team pretty soon is Christopher Julien. Now, interestingly enough, it's been nine months since Julien has uh, kicked a ball for Celtic. We know that he clashed with that uh, the post. Uh, against Dundee United, which was the last game of 2020. And I remember at that time, Boise, it was almost as if Celtic were tr- almost getting back on track. We'd, we'd pulled a few results mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and we were thinking to ourselves, you know, even when we're going into the Rangers game at the turn of the year at Ibrox, you know, we might still be in with a shout. Then we get the, the Julian injury, the defeat against Rangers, and then Dubai. And then the rest, as they say, is history. So it goes right back to that that moment. Uh, so Julian was part of that. He's now 20 years of age. He can only play centre-back. So he's not as adaptable as some of the players that were brought in, some of the players who are playing and can switch sides, etc. We signed him for over 7 million quid from Toulouse. He's now been at the club for two and a half years, um, for just over two years, rather. And he's only played 61 games for Celtic. Um, now... How much of a miss do you think he's been? I mean, it was quite evident in the the Champions League qualifiers. It was more evident than ever before just how big a miss he's been. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I know there's the argument that um, when players are away, absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that, and there's a bit of revisionism goes on, and players are hyped up to be better than what they they perhaps actually were. I, I, I think in the case of Julian, he's been a huge loss not to be in the team right now. And I feel that the influence he could have been having with the likes of Stephen Welsh over the last nine, ten months, for all of Welsh's progress, by the way, it might even have been it might even have been further ahead than what he is now, having played with someone like Julian. What I also like about Julian is he gets it. He loves it at Celtic. You've never once read about, you know, him looking for a move, him moaning about, you know, settling in, adapting, or thinking he's worth being in a better league. Or sulking. He doesn't seem like he's got any of those sorts of traits to him. He looks to me like someone I think we cheesed off. We didn't win 10 in a row. We'll want to battle for that trophy back. I also have to think as well that the competition for places will be a good thing for him too. I think he'll, he'll embrace the fact that we've signed Carter Vickers from Tottenham with a bit of a reputation after a really successful spell at Bournemouth, obviously USA International. And then you've brought in a £4 million Swedish International as well. I happen to think that will suit Julian, and that's probably the sort of competition for places he was probably used to it to lose. I mean, you think of League One and all that; these clubs can all afford Celtic wages. Certainly, a lot of them can, you know. So he was probably in serious battles for the jersey there. Whereas, you know, I know that he's only started sixty-one games. How many has he not played through a uh, choice of personnel as opposed to injury? Mm. Very few. He strolled into the team every week, and I, I actually think he will win his place back. But I think the competition, again, like we were saying about the right back situation, has got healthier and stronger at centre half. Albeit Starfelt's maybe not hit the ground running as of yet, and maybe people are clinging to the Julian thing because they're worried about the rocky start by Starfelt. But you don't get moves to the Russian Premier League from Sweden, and you don't get capped by Sweden, and he was called up again last week, and you don't, you know. Whoever it is that Celtic, they scouted him. I've been willing to 
recommend four million pounds is worth is worth. So mm. these all all these facts don't all happen, you know, for a dud. So I happen to think he'll go into his role as well. And again, it's it's good competition right now. We've got a guy coming for Spurs, four million Swedish centre half, seven million uh, French players. Julian, who's been at the club a couple of years, and then you've got Stephen Welsh, who I think's impressed almost all of us now. Well, that's the big question now, isn't it? We're talking about the kind of squad management. Um, but one thing that sticks in my mind, because I've I've been a big fan of Stephen Welsh since he came into the side, I think. He came in at the very worst time, Amy, you know, thrown into that game against Rangers. I know he had played a game before and, you know, it was just a disaster for the, the team that day. Um, and for the youngster coming in, very, very difficult for him. Uh, and, you know, playing alongside different players every week, it seemed, last season. Uh, you know, playing with three different goalkeepers behind them in one season, which is, is bizarre. You know, now and again, you might get the third choice getting a game here or there in the League Cup. But all, all three of the goalkeepers were first choice at one point last season. So it was completely unsettled. And you've got a guy who's trying to establish himself in the first team. However, I've got... I've got concerns that perhaps Ange Postacoglu um, doesn't rate him as a first pick. I mean, the first opportunity that he got to drop him, he did drop him this season, mm-hmm. and that was obviously to bring in near Beaton. And I think, you know, going to Tynecastle and making that change and bringing in Starfelt at the same time was just too much. It was a bridge too far. And it's going back to the point we made before, just throwing players together and saying, work it out. You know, you really are taking a chance here. And I think I would have much preferred to have had Stephen Welsh at the heart of that defence. Um, I mean, they came through some really uh, tough times against Mitchelland. I know we lost the game over the two, the two, the tie over the two games. But I think Welsh equipped himself very, very well. But the first opportunity that Ange Postacoglu got, he dropped him. And I'm now looking at the situation where, right, we've got two centre-halves due to come come in. We've got a brand new signing who is, uh, Boyce says, he comes with a bit of pedigree in uh, Carter Vickers. We've then got potentially next month Julian coming in. And I'm wondering if Stephen Welsh will be that full guy. How do you think Ange will play that one, Amy? It is really interesting because um, everything, well, obviously what you've outlined is just correct. We were all really shocked to see that Welsh was dropped. Um, you know, when he was partnered with Dane Murray, Again, I understand what um, what unfolded, but I don't think either of them were well. Neither of them were really at fault. Um, I thought they were pretty resolute, and to be the you know the experienced head alongside Dean Murray, who is now you know he's with the Colts and he's fell face of the air for the the first team, and he's he's down with the with the Colts in the Lowland League now. But Welsh, you know, is undoubtedly brought him on leaps and bounds there because he was that experienced head. Now. That's a real quick turnaround, like you're saying, in the past nine months for Welsh, but I think he's grabbed it with both hands. And I think it was really unjust that um that obviously he got dropped in. That's not, you know, that's not a bold statement. I think everybody felt that. But if Julian, you know, does well when Julian does come back, it has to be right now, you would say, for in the place of, of Carl Star Starfelt. Welsh is un, is undroppable. He's playing so well. He's got the confidence there, and I think he is, you know, putting in performances that, that do deserve all the the credit that he's getting. I think there was a few as well that perhaps you know he should have maybe got a, a senior Scotland call up. I'm not quite so sure on that yet. I'm I'm actually more than happy. I'm just you know trotting away at Celtic right now. He's still in and out twenty ones. Um, so I'm more than happy with that. But. It's interesting as well to to talk about Car- uh, Cameron and Carter Vickers because you're looking at the comments coming in, and a lot of um, a lot of them are saying that he should come in for for this weekend. I actually think that's a bit harsh. Um, I've been a bit of a critique of um, of Carl Starfelt, but I think in the last few games is actually where he's he's played his best Celtic performances. That he was his best was ultimately against Rangers. Um, he obviously came on for Sweden at the weekend there, albeit I think it was against Uzbekistan. Um, and I think I've read somewhere that he was a defensive mid actually for mm. Sweden. I think that's who he came on. Um, it was just a, it was a late substitution. But it's all these different things that I think that it's as we're talking about continuity and we're talking about you know stability and looking forward, obviously even to, to Europa League as well. I'd be keeping Starfelt in for now. Um, he has four million pounds. Got to bide uh, bide time with him. Um, the performances maybe haven't been quite so quick. Up, up until um, the 
the international break. But I think he's getting there. It's maybe took a little bit more time than, than Kyogo, for um, for example. But I think he deserves his place just just for now. I, I don't disagree with that. I think the game against Rangers showed everything that's good about Starfelt, which is the defensive side of it. Boys, we like our players wherever they are in the park to, you know, thread passes. I mean, Julian's very good at that. Stephen Welsh is very good at that. Um, or in Chris Ayer's case, the departed Chris Ayer, go for one of these 40, 50-yard galloping runs and be ball players. I think Starfelt's all about the defensive side of the game in terms of winning the ball. And, and we need that as well. So he's, he's probably playing with a lot more of the ball at his feet than he's used to. Um, I, I've got to say, his previous club, I, I wasn't a big fan of that club. I've not watched much of their game, so I don't know the style that they play. But Celtic, have always the defenders have always got the ball at their feet. He's maybe not that comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, I think it was something the same that uh, could be said for Shane Duffy last season. You know, he spent a lot of the time with the ball at his feet. It wasn't about winning the ball, winning headers. It was about, you know, bringing the ball down and trying to pick out a pass. And he struggled. And a lot of defenders would struggle. Now, Joseph Tom comes in. Hey, guys, before you go, thanks for a great show. I'm on holiday this week, so glad to see you live. Normally watch later after work. Joseph, welcome to the show. Get involved in the comments section. Uh, there is plenty to discuss, as always. Now, there is a point coming in here in relation to someone... Referred to Liam Scales the other day as perhaps the dark horse of the Celtic transfer window. I tend to think that James McCarthy could be the dark horse. He's all—he's almost just going to come in without a big fanfare. Um, and when you think of past transfer windows, Amy, had we signed James McCarthy a couple of years back, it would have been a big fanfare. But because of the injuries, it hasn't uh, played as much as probably he would have liked. But you look at his career at the age of 30, he's played over 400 club games competitively as well as 42 uh, games for the Republic of Ireland so it's not as though he's not played a lot of games you do see a lot of players playing their entire careers and they've only played 300 games 250 games it's bizarre he's played a lot of football Um, in terms of fees transfer fees you know over £21 million um, he has cost football clubs in the past he's now at Celtic he's only 30 Uh, he can only play in in the centre midfield I believe Um, how pivotal do you think he's going to be because I think because of the success quite rightly said uh, in what you said earlier of Kyogo a lot of the focus has gone on to him because he's been such um, an instant impact since he's came to Celtic and McCarthy's been in the, in the kind of background he's only had a couple of appearances do you think that time will show him to be a very very shrewd bit of business by Celtic he's a classic player um, and anyone that's watched him over the years even from his, his young days at Hamilton know that the injury is a concern and the, the lack of his involvement and really his even like his appearance really in benches has been a little bit of a worry um, because I think that was really the the downside to the transfer everyone was like you know over the last few years there was some crazy stats going about I think it was in comparison to obviously Callum McGregor however whatever Callum McGregor's done in a season I think it's took McCarthy four or five or something like that it's it's crazy um, sort of stats but to be comparing them to, to McGregor's a bit harsh I think anyone's stats compared to that's going to be a downfall but he's going to be well, you've got to hope that he's going to be an asset. Like you say, the pedigree's there, uh, the experience is certainly there. And, you know, for many, what they um, what they like to see is that he's a Celtic fan as well. So everything is sort of re- rearing and ready to go. Um, like I say, how many, for how many years have we been, you know, linked to, to James McCarthy? It goes back as long as I can remember. Um, so when once he gets into that side, um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. What his play, will he be informed Cal McGregor or will he be able to play beside McGregor? And will that alter what McGregor actually does? Because um, we see McCarthy can play that a little bit deeper as well. So it'll be interesting. Um, and it's another option to have, of course. I've seen a lot of talk um, around the comment section and on social media that Celtic lack, lack a bit of steel in the midfield positions. We've got a lot of good footballers, uh, technical players, Russell, but we might lack a wee bit of steel. You see Sorrow coming in, he tries to do that, but he's quite erratic with his challenges and he's always just you know a moment away from a, a yellow card. Um, do you think McCarthy, and I know there's a lot more to James McCarthy's game, incidentally, than just adding a bit of steel to the midfield, do you think that's one of the elements that he could bring that we do lack in that area? Yeah, I think you've just nailed it. Absolutely. I mean, when you 
you, Scott Brown, you know, was a, such a key element of that side for so so long. If you, if once he leaves, that has to that void has to be filled one way or the other. Or like you say, there will be a, a you know a considerable lack of steel, you know, grit, whatever you want to call it in the midfield. And I think that McCarthy was signed for his experience. I think he was the first example of Ange thinking, right, I might not be able just to you know, to play gung-ho every single match here in Scotland. It is a different sort of style here. I think it's unique, if I'm honest to you. And I think uh, it does take a requirement to have sometimes players that are more about, you know, doing the, the, the hard work of the game, the dirty side, the, the you know, the, the side to the, mat, the game that doesn't really get much thanks. Also, I think that McCarthy will be a far better footballer than, you know, some people might lazily tag him with. I think he's not coming in just to be a a sitting midfielder who's going to be, you know, just passing to players and say, oh, you go have the ball, you go play with it for us, I'll win it back. Yeah. I think when James McCarthy's got the ball, he's been for a wee bit of a fright his range of passing that he's got. Um, and he's 30 years old. I mean, he's at the peak of his powers right now. You know, you think uh, when Henrik scored 53 goals and I appreciate his different seasons, but he turned 30, or he was 29, 30. But, uh, and it's like, you know, you look at that and you go, it's the right age, you know, sometimes for players to come into their own. And this is the right challenge for McCarthy as well. The only concern I've got is he's obviously missed the last two squads. Um, I mean, unless I've missed it, I don't really know of any update that we've had as to what the reasons behind that were. He's the player I would start against Ross County. He's the new signing who I would start. I think he needs to, obviously, unless he's got some kind of underlying injury problem, yeah. I would get him the game time um, in a game like this. Interestingly, something I didn't say, and Jed Sweeney picks up on it, goal-scoring centre-backs are like Ken's teeth, and we have one. On the point is Julian, 61 appearances, 10 goals. That's a yeah. brilliant return for a centre-half, so that, that's a good point as well. And in relation to McCarthy, you know, if he was to get games, you just need to look at the fact that Scales signs for Celtic and gets a call-up to the Republic of Ireland full international squad. Um, you would kind of think that maybe James McCarthy has those aspirations as well to get back into international football. Um, and so it might be good for him. You sometimes think that he's older, Russell, because I think he made his debut yeah. at 15 he was only 15, wasn't he, when he played for Hamilton mm-hmm. Ackes? So mm-hmm. he's been in and around first-team football for 15 years. So you tend to think of him as a 34, 35-year-old, but in actual fact, he is only 30. Um, now, there is also a lot of chat around about uh, Georges Giacomakis coming in, top goal scorer for his club, and indeed in the, the Dutch top division last season. His side, VVV, um, were relegated, uh, but he still managed to get in amongst the goals. There is a concern, though, that you know, it might just be like a one-season wonder style, hence the reason the transfer fee wasn't massive. Um, and, you know, there has been a lot of talk around about that. I do get the sense, Amy, that he's not being bought as the first-choice striker, I've got to say. I do think he's come in because we've lost Edward, we've lost Griffiths. Earlier on, uh, we also lost Patrick Clamalla. So we definitely, and Bio, let's not forget. So we definitely needed to strengthen. I don't think... That he might, you know, he might not even be considered to be above Albion a Yeti, you know. So you've got Kyogo, who is a first choice and should always be playing through the centre. And we've spoken about the fact that he should have started against Rangers through the centre. I then look at a Yeti being a second choice in Giacomacus. That might all change, of course, but that's the kind of view I have on this player. And I'm certainly not writing him off. What's your view on Giacomacus? And is this the type of game you give him a run in? It's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one. I definitely don't see him coming in, you know, as a number one. Um, and obviously, the way that Celtic play or have played so far this season, it is just the one striker. Um, and I don't really see us going to like a flat four four two anytime soon. Um, certainly not to just try and shoehorn into two strikers ultimately. Um, so, do I see him as third choice? I'd like to think that he can still, you know, have a, a chance of being second choice uh, and be the main backup to to Kyogo, purely because I don't feel that Ayeti's anywhere near the the frame. So, if he's even behind Ayeti, then I feel that's slightly worrying because he's not shown a lot of confidence in him. You know, Ayeti's had the odd few minutes um, against St Mirren. Obviously, I think he con- uh, contributed to the goal. I think he, he broke down or. Was yeah. pressuring on the defender, um, but other than that, there's not been a lot of glimpses at, um, at goal or in, in any sort of team forum. So, I'd like to think 
that he can come in because um, you know money has been spent on him and being the number two I think you know you can look at it two ways it can be like the odd season for um, for Yakimakis last season that all these goals were scored top goal scorer in Eredivisie I think nine were penalties um, and then if you look at his previous um, seasons it's it's not that all that impressive so it's almost the odd season out of however many it may be so you could say that it, it's that um, and we're taking going out on a real limb here or it could be that you know you might be catching him as a there's a little bit of confidence he's he's finally hit that one season that he just really mm. needed to break through and from here we could kick on in but it could be a I think was it maybe Tony say that it could be a Stefan Spekovic um, I think remember when we signed him I was quite young um, we signed him and so I can't remember the status. What do you mean you, you were quite young? Amy. I can't remember what the stats were, but I'm sure like he had an impressive season, didn't he? Um, he did. And then we got he him, did. and then that was you know not the not the move that should have been made. So there's there's hope that it could you know start a, a spiral and it could go on to be a, a fantastic career. But I think there needs to be a little bit of caution, um, and we can't just all look at the the glitzy numbers of last season because. If you look a little bit further back and do a little bit of the research, it really has been so far just a, a one-season wonder. Hmm. That, that I guess, is the only concern. And I know that, obviously, when he signed, the club pointed out he'd scored goals in various leagues. Uh, he's now coming to Scotland. And, obviously, there's the whole connection to Samaras, who he knows, who he's worked with. They were both born in Heraklion in, in Greece. So there's connections there. And I love that bit of the old Georgius Samaras uh, boy. But I do get the feeling that, you know, what we get out of him would almost be a bit of a bonus. If, if you're looking at a two and a half million pound signing, it's a classic Celtic striker signing. We've, we've done it so often in the past. Um, but I just think, you know, looking at what we've got ahead of him in Kyogo, is is a yet ahead of him? I'm not too sure. It would be nice to see him getting some game time against Ross County so we can start making our mind up about him. Well, I think as well, I mean, we're, we're committing right now to it just generally being one up top. And I just feel at times at home, you look at the amount of chances we created, was it 108 we got in three matches in a row? Yeah. 108 opportunities. You have two strikers on the pitch, the goal conversion rate goes higher. Mm-hmm. And remember, we are going for 10 ones, one match this season. So the sooner they get two players in, uh, playing up front together at home in the SPFL, the happier I'll be. So my comment doesn't look completely ridiculous. But I think it might be. I would like to see a manager that could, that can fle- uh, be flexible with his formation. I don't yeah. really want it just to be the same every single match. I think maybe, like you said, alluded to earlier, sitting midfielder at Ibrox in the, the mould of James McCarthy would have been ideal. We didn't have one because we couldn't really trust Sorrow on that occasion, which I kind of understand what you were meaning with that. And then why not be able to mix it up at home to Ross Counties of the world with no disrespect to them, but we took apart Dundee we took apart St Mirren. I think Ross County are of a similar ilk, if not even slightly poorer than St Mirren. So I just feel that these sort of games, if you're going to create 36 chances, have two strikers on the pitch, mm-hmm. see how many you can get. This season might come down to goal difference too. So whilst we jest, all right, about, whilst we jest about, you know, 10 goals maybe in one match and all that, the fact of the matter is, these home matches, if we're creating 36 chances, we need to be converting as many as possible. As I think this title race could be extremely, extremely closely fought, um, if that makes sense. But I think with uh, Giacomacus, what I like about his goal reel though from last season was the variety of goals. And yes, nine were penalties out of 26. It was like six or seven were headers. There was two outside of the boot, dinks he did with his right foot to the far post that were almost identical but took real skill to do them. And then there was a lot of tap-ins, being at the end of being at the end of crosses, almost slide tackles for shots. I don't mind that. And I, it just feels like he's going to give a completely different option up there than anything I get he's offered so far, to be completely honest to you. And certainly it gives a different option for Kyogo, because we know Kyogo's going to be about his runs off the ball, making mm. defenders have to make tough decisions, dragging defenders about the pitch. And then obviously... We all know Kyogo's going to score some pillars this season as well because he's just got all the all the talent to do so. But Giacomacus is an interesting one, I think. And if we want to be positive about it, at the end of the day, you'd rather get get him on the back of being the top scorer in the Eredivisie than you would him being the top scorer two, three seasons ago in the Eredivisie. So, you know, 
he's coming most, you know, we're striking most irons hot with this one. And as I say, again, it's YouTube montages. You watch Paul, you know what I mean, and stuff. So I get all that. But the goals scored were all completely different. You know, there were a lot of varying types of goal. It wasn't all just, you know, I, th I think at first we thought this was this was like a, a, maybe more of a target man sort of striker we're bringing in. Then you see all the different types of goals he scored and you think, no, 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 I think there's a lot more to him. The good thing is, Russell, you're talking about positivity. Within that um, answer there that you've you've given, you've been talking about Celtic scoring 10 goals in one game. I love your positivity. Keep that up. Absolutely. Now, Dee Kelleher comes in. Uh, I heard that Hazard came on and did well for Northern Ireland last night. Well, he did certainly come on. I think he got about half an hour of the game um, where Northern Ireland won one nothing against Estonia. So he's an international footballer and he's our third choice goalie. Um, and to be honest with you, and I know that he flapped a couple of times when he was in the first team, I, mean, I thought he kind of got a hard time last season. Um, and when we're looking at the goalkeeper situation, I think that's one of the things that has been kind of put to rest. I'm quite satisfied that we've got our number one in Joe Hart. But it raises the questions, and I've been I've been reading into this also over the last few days, around about our uh, signing strategy. I mean, we knew that we needed a huge amount of players. We've, we've gone... And, and signed 12 players uh, for the first team. A couple of them are probably going to be fringe players, the two boys from Sheffield Wednesday, for example. Uh, we'll see how Liam Skills does as well. But the question has been raised in, in relation to the manner in which we've done it, the strategy. So we know that Ange came in and we had already heard about the modernisation of the club from Dominic Mackay, the incoming CEO, but we had to concentrate on getting the personnel right on the park. So there was this huge recruitment drive before we could then start looking at directors of football, heady recruitments, um, the backroom team, not just the coaching side of it, but the sports science, the data analytics, et cetera, et cetera. And then the story broke that Dermot Desmond was going to be playing an active role in that. He was going to be getting involved in that. And although, you know, certainly in real time, you never find out who's responsible for which signings, there is the suggestion that uh, some of the, the bodies that have come in have been influenced by uh, the man at the top, Dermot Desmond. Now, if the player that comes in is a Joe Hart and he does really, really well, or in past and years gone by, it's a Robbie Keane and he comes in and scores goals for fun, nobody cares how he was identified, who pushed for the deal, who influenced the deal. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the manager wouldn't really care that uh, about that either if the standard of that player is a Joe Hart or a Robbie Keane. If, for example, the signings don't go so well, though, then you start scrutinising that strategy. Is it a concern for you that, you know, Dermot Desmond has had an involvement and we can't say it was his influence that brought in this player or that because no one's going to confirm that, as I say, in real time. Is it a concern for you, Amy, or was it a situation where it was needs must? We had to get all the influence we possibly could to get the bodies in the door. No, because we spoke so much, you know, just even like six months ago about the rebuild um, and, you know, that it was a clear out overhaul. We used all these terms. They were all in the trap line, everything like that. So, like you say, we'll never be able to know, like, if it was Dermot Desmond who brought in, if it was Liam Shaw or if it was Joe Hart or if it was Kyogo Furuhashi or, well, to be honest, that's when we do know who, who brought that one in. Um, but we're never going to know but that doesn't necessarily make it right for me. Um, I'd have much preferred that, that Dermot didn't really play any sort of part at all. Um, that's not what he's here to do. He's not here to be part of football operations or whatever title they, they sort of pinned it to. Um, and the the overhaul, the rebuild, everything, it was the clean slate ultimately. Mm -hmm. And while Peter Lawwell still influencing whatever he could or potentially be influencing. And if Dermot Desmond still having a say in transfers, then I don't believe then that's a clean slate that we were all sort of promised um, and certainly hoping for. So it is a worrying sign. Um, but, you know, if Dermot Desmond comes out and says, well, I signed Joe Hart, then it'll maybe be left to eat our words a little bit. But it's tough. Um, like I say, I wanted the clean slate. Um but that's evidently not been the case. Do you, do you think we could we could maybe like argue the point as well that maybe Desmond stepped in because we were too slow in getting said director of football or head of head of recruitment in, and he realised this season isn't starting very well, 
and maybe he's went, I've got contacts here, I can help. And perhaps it wasn't maybe an ego thing. Maybe he just felt needs must here because we've not got our, you know, our ducks in order or whatever that saying is. I always forget that one. Ducks in a line, whatever it is. Uh, like, we've not got all that sorted right now. And we're relying on, and just already remember, explained as well, the difficulty of bringing in players from the J League at the, at the, in the summer window. It was maybe January would be a better opportunity for that. So whilst it was great, he got Kyogo, he might have said, look, I can't, my hands are a bit tied here. And that's where Desmond's, he goes, who's the head of recruitment? Oh, we've still not got one. Director of football. You know, I bet, he's, I bet Ange said mate a few times when he was discussing that with him anyway, Paul. Because <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's ridiculous that we don't have a head of recruitment. And I yeah. think as well, when Ange's given his budget at times, and he's told, right, that this is what we've got to spend on, you know, in wages, etc. See, when you're seeing the likes of Ball and Galway, Barkas, whoever else, taking up percentages of that, that's when you can go, you can't blame, you know, I don't think Dermot Desmond can sell these guys. I don't think think you'll have a list of people that just buys players off him as much as you might be able to source the odd odd player from leagues he may know or agents that, you know, they might have certain players like his clients or whatever, but the actual outgoings, you have to admit there is still some players in there that are costing us money. That if we had a, a you know, a recruitment strategy or someone at the top involved in all transfer negotiations, you'd like to think, albeit not for great fees, by the way, and I accept that now because their reputation, their profile has, you know, is, is dwindled at Celtic. But you can't help but feel at least Ball and Golly and Barkas could have been out the door, and that's, I don't know what we're talking here, 20 to 30,000 pounds, 20 to 35,000 pounds a week saved up, which mm-hmm. might be preventing Ange maybe from getting one of his players, we just don't know. I think it does highlight, though, that Ange had far too much to do himself this summer on his own, and you know, if Desmond stepped in, maybe, maybe it was actually because it was a needs-must exercise, and Maybe it'll, you know, obviously you'll then be judged on what happens on the pitch, of course, whether it was uh, the right call or not. Yeah. The first thing I would say is between now and, and January, boys say it's a priority right. to line up deals for the likes of Ball and Golly and Barca simply because they are not contributing in any way, shape, or form. So you've got to get them off the wage bill. So you've got to line up these deals. There might be other players in, in that category as well. I think the other one that was on everybody's list was Lee Griffiths. You had to get a deal. You had to get them out, out the door. And that happened. Um, there might be other players who fall into that category, depending on how much Albion Ayeti plays and Giacomacchus plays. Ayeti might also come into that category. You, we need to get yep. this player off the wage bill, um, either with a, a long-term loan deal with a view to... A, a buyout or, you know, we move them on for whatever fee we can get because they are obviously just, they're not contributing. And that's the problem because they're on a decent wage, they're not contributing and there's other players in that squad. Uh, or we could replace them with, with as you say, uh, one eye on the J, the J League in January. Uh, bringing this up for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because yes, we're on Twitch. <laughs> Um, so there we go. I do not care if Dermot O'Leary helped us get Joe Hart in. I, I think I was saying that, you know, if, if they turn out well, your whole perspective on the thing yeah. is, is different. And so, you know, if, if he does well, and one thing I would say, we don't need four goalkeepers. We don't need four first-team goalkeepers in that squad. So we need to get Barkas moved on. There is um, a differing view in relation to Conor Hazard within the comment section, and I've seen that ever since he broke in. Some people reckon he's a decent prospect, others disagree. Uh, the thing about Hazard, he was given a bumper deal after the quadruple treble was wrapped up. It was it a four-year contract? He signed yeah. a brand new contract that week, so I don't think he's going to be offloaded. He might go out on loan to get him game time. He's an international footballer. He maybe wants to remain in the international kind of scene. And in order to do that, he needs to get games. So that that for me, it's, a, it's definitely a question because the Ange-Postacoglu situation, uh, I think there was a lot of these needs-must situations with Ange because it was all last minute. And that's certainly one of them. Um, and we know it does happen. I mean, we've heard it from the horse's mouth with Paddy McCourt. Paddy McCourt told us that Dermot Desmond signed him and Strachan didn't even know who he was when he turned up for training. You know what I mean? And obviously it took Paddy a wee while to get fit and he had to play in the reserves as it was then to get the fitness before he was introduced to the first team. He ended up playing quite a bit of football for Gordon Strachan one season in particular 
but he certainly had no bearing in Paddy McCourt coming to Celtic Football Club. The other question I would ask around um, Ange, because it is something he spoke about, Amy, was the backroom team. It seems to me, though, that the focus that uh, was on the coaching staff last season has diminished, diminished a bit. I mean, we're not talking about Kennedy that often or Woods or, um, or Strachan. It's something that we're not really focusing on a lot. But I still think that comments he made fairly recently would suggest he still wants new staff in. Staff in relation to the data analysis and, and the football science. Is that something that you see as a priority between now and January as well? Because Ange has obviously been given these assurances when he's taken the job. If it's a priority for Ange and if it was promised to him, then absolutely. Um, you see, it really has quietened down. Um, and I think that's for the good um, for the good of the club, for the good of Ange and for the good of certainly both Kennedy and Strachan but if Ange was promised that he would get to sign staff um, and obviously he's came out and well his comments at the time certainly suggested that then yes it is a priority um, you know we can all have our own views on it but if the man in charge has been promised that then we absolutely have to go by that and the, the club and whoever it may be must abide to that Um You've got to give him what he wants. Um, and I think, you know, we've suggested this for for a few weeks now. He's more than earned. And no matter what happened against against Rangers, he has earned in getting into Europa League especially his 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 weight is his worth his weight in gold. So whatever decision he wants, just just give it to him. Um, certainly right now, and when it comes to staff, you know that's a, a a real game changer, and it could potentially be a real game changer for him. Um, he's came in, look what he's managed to do, and while he's been just been handed these staff, um, who had no idea about. We're talking about obviously Strack and getting handed McCourt, who didn't know who he was. And just been handed, you know, Kennedy and Strachan, who he certainly wouldn't have known on a personal level all too well. So just think what he could do with the, the right men behind him, um, with men who obviously share the same philosophy as him or whatever it may be, playing style, same approach. Um, I think that's a really exciting time. And we try and always, you know, talk about right players can maybe influence um, and, you know, improve systems and improve Ange Ball. Well, so can the, the men behind the scenes. Um, so I think that's why it's absolutely crucial that certainly if, if Ange still wants, you know, um, his own staff in, then that he gets his staff in. I think yeah, that's key. right. I think, I think Amy's right. I just think as well, you know, I suppose when you look at the goal that we did concede against Rangers, that is glaringly similar, you know, to goals that we were conceding last season. So the problem can remain. And there's a wee thing as well with the backroom staff for me that's happened. I mean, John Kennedy is now bandied alongside Strachan as Kennedy and Strachan. Have you noticed that? And yet he used to be talked up as potential Hibs submarine manager in the running for those jobs. He's now actually, his stock's fallen on two, no two ways after la, uh, last season. And I do think as well that if results were to still be a mixed bag, and let's be honest, it's been a mixed bag so far, some extremely high moments yeah. and some fantastic, uh, you know, obviously getting past AZ was, a, a, you know, to me a real highlight because I felt that was a tricky obstacle. But there's been some downsides as well. And if it continues to be a mixed bag, not saying it will, just in case it does, I think there will be more scrutiny on, you know, why hasn't Ange got anyone in his backroom team backing him? And I wonder if it will go to, well, have you been strong enough in, in requesting it? Like, remember, like Ange said about player recruitment, perhaps I haven't been getting my message across enough. Or are you quite happy with what we've got? And in that case, you would then need to take responsibility for it. I would like to think Ange will get someone to support him in there and take the sting off him as well because at times you can't help but feel it must be quite isolating, Paul, when you're doing the job on your own without your right-hand man besides someone that's your go-to, not necessarily the club's go-to, your go-to. Just that bit of support can be helpful. Sometimes, you know, a lot of assistant managers, I think, come in and they're quite good at doing the good cop, bad cop sort of thing as well. I think a lot of that goes on. And you wonder if Andrew's built relations enough yet where... Uh, with, with with Kennedy and Strachan, you know, the banded together again there. But, like, you wonder if he's built up, like, strong enough relationship with, any, with them yet to, to sort of be achieving that sort of dynamic in the dressing room. I would feel it quite isolated if I was Andrew right now, and I do hope he brings in someone to help him. Well, it's about this culture that 
is going to be implemented, um, you know, with a new guy coming in. If, if he wants to implement that and he's got like-minded people in uh, his team, that's going to be a yeah. lot easier for him to implement it. So I think it is important. Now, um, we will also remind everybody to subscribe to A Celtic State of Mind. Get onto the YouTube channel. Get subscribing. We're giving away gifts, uh, free gifts. You're in a prize draw. We're giving them away on a regular basis. Um, I'll have a couple of the jerseys on the mannequins next time we're on tomorrow at 12.30 because I will be back on tomorrow at 12.30. And uh, I will be joined tomorrow by the uh, Lawrence Conley and also Brian Degnan. So join us at 12.30. Uh, and also, get voting for us. We're up for three awards. Um, and thanks to all you guys for tuning in. Uh, obviously, we have been nominated for three National awards. Some of us will be going down to London and, and getting the party frocks and all that on. Amy, um, I'll probably wear a suit. I'll be probably wearing a suit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it will be a good night down in London and uh, it would be brilliant to bring something back up the road. Uh, but we're up for a treble. We're up for a treble of awards, which is rather astonishing. Uh, so please get voting for us. I'll leave all the details on the socials. Um, I've got to thank Russell Boyce and Amy Canavan once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind and thanks everybody for getting involved in the comments. I'll see you again tomorrow at Then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.